We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so uh, Bill Bender, you have uh, put out your list of the rankings of the FBS coaches, 1 to 133. Everybody on Twitter agreed with every single one of your rankings, which is great. Congratulations. I know that uh, that's always the way it is. But first, let me kick you off with a Trochi trivia before we get into the actual rankings, all right? Mm-hmm. Um your top 25 this year. Can you name the three youngest coaches in your top 25? The oh, three I'm... youngest coaches in your top 25. All right. So let's see, see if you got it. You got it all on your spreadsheets and everything like I'm that. Not, I'm not going to pull up my spreadsheet. I'm not going to let you pull to... up the spreadsheet for that one. But uh, yeah, we'll see. See how well you do. There's some there's some youngsters in there. So anyway, that's Trojan Trivia. We'll revisit that at the end of the show. Let's start our discussion at the top. Nick versus Kirby. Who's number one? I love this debate. Um, you left Mr. Saban at number one. I've seen other lists with Saban. I've seen some lists with Kirby. Uh, why did you come down on the side of Mr. Nick? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, it's just, this is the year I've done, I believe this is, I want to say eight or nine years I've done this. I inherited this at Sporting News. It's not easy to do. It always creates a reaction. It, you know, guys slip through cracks, but as first year in eight years since Urban Meyer was number one over Nick, that it's even been like a real discussion to me. And that's even when Dabo had won two national titles and that was kind of becoming one. This one's actually real. And I mean, you did the stat work, so I'm not going to take credit for that of how just eerie it is between the two. But I mean, these are the two major powers. It's that student teacher relationship thing where Kirby's kind of learned and taken the model and put his touch on it. And right now George is on top. So if there was a coaching list out there and I read CBS's and there's others, if they had Kirby on top, I wouldn't necessarily argue, but it's just hard for me to, you know, one's 37 and four the last three years, the other's 37 and three. <laughs> and they, that they, they are the two best programs in college football. And, if Georgia wins it this year, I would probably have Kirby number one going into next year. Ty goes to the runner. Ty goes to Alabama. I mean, it's uh, you've always you often said Ty goes to Alabama in certain right. rankings and things like that. But um, yeah, we we looked at their first Saban's first seven years at Alabama, Kirby's first seven years at Georgia. They are almost identical. It is remarkable. Uh, I looked at the last five recruiting classes. Alabama and Georgia both in the top five the whole time. I mean, that's a piece of the job, too, is recruiting. And both of them are just extremely elite. The most recent recruiting class, Alabama was number one in the country. Georgia was number two in the country, according to 24-7 sports. So, yeah, I mean, we are really, really, you know, it's very small margin between between Nick and Kirby right now. I think Kirby's case is um, – he has recruited at such an incredibly high level and the ability to lose so many people to the NFL draft and repeat as champions and be the preseason number one next year. It speaks to the foundation of what he has built in addition to, you know, a 15 game winning streak and one loss in two years and, you know, everything else he's put together. The the separator was, and we were there at Indianapolis when they finally beat Alabama. It was such a difference maker game because the narrate the narrative on Kirby could be a lot different at that point. It would be like, still can't beat Alabama, still can't win a national title. Don't know how that would have impacted the last year, but they they are somebody scoffed. We had an article about Riola where we use the term Georgia dynasty in the headline and somebody scoffed at that. And I'm thinking, what's your definition of a dynasty? To me, it's back to back and looking like we're going to go get a third and we're going to be around for the next decade. Keep in (laughs) mind, Alabama's never won three in a row. So that you telling me it wasn't a dynasty when they had AJ McCarron and won back to back and didn't win on the kicks because of the kick six, not a dynasty. No, (laughs) it is. Um, so I think Georgia and the talk of dynasty is very real. 
and, and I keep throwing this stat at people that they could start 10 and 0. And if that happens, they will have won. I believe it's uh, something like 42 out of 43 or 43 out of 44 games at that point. So yeah. that's not a dynasty. Somebody's going to have to tell me what is. <laughs> I did look up the Kirby versus Nick games. There's been five. And like you said, the first four went to Alabama. The 2018 National Championship game in overtime. 2019 SEC Championship game. Uh, Alabama beat them in the regular season in 2020. That's the only regular season game between the two of them, um, which, again, speaks to the scheduling situation that the, you know teams don't see each other enough in the SEC uh, under the current format. Uh, 2021 SEC championship game, Alabama pulled the upset. Uh, and then, of course, in Indianapolis in 2022, Georgia won the national championship, uh, pulled away at the very end there. And uh, so – Nick still has a four to one head to head matchup, and that you know that counts for something. Oh yeah, I mean it's not. I mean people. That's the other thing. I mean Alabama's lived with this standard for a lot longer. I mean I've wrote every time they lose in a championship game or a playoff, it's the end of the dynasty. <laughs> you know, New England dealt with that with Belichick and Brady. I'm, I'm you know, you're very familiar with that. But um, yeah, they're not dead. They're, they're, they've got an interesting quarterback situation this year, which is probably the first time in a while where it's been that interesting. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be right back in the mix for a national championship. And um, I anticipate it being that way. All right, let's move on to the next little debate right away. How close is Jim Harbaugh at number four passing Dabo at number three? Um. I not much thought to that one. I, I think there was probably more thought for me between Ryan and Jim and the Big Ten because I, people ask what you value. I value the national titles more than anything, and and Dabo still has two. It's like people are saying Clemson's dead. They still won the ACC. They still could have made the playoff if they didn't get blasted at Notre Dame. It's not like their program is dead. I do think there's an adjustment period to NIL and the transfer portal with Clemson, but to me, it's Harbaugh's got to the playoffs twice, pretty solid at four, four through seven. That Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley section of the top 10. If you had, like I said, I I do this people because I'm flexible. Say if you had Brian Kelly four and those other guys mashed up four through seven, I'm cool with that because I consider those four all about the same right now. Yeah. I mean, what you said about, Dabo's saying that, you know, um, going to the Orange Bowl, winning the ACC is considered a down year at this point. That speaks to what he has established at Clemson, for sure. Um, Looking at your top 10, there is one newcomer, Josh Heupel, at number 10. At Tennessee, you obviously like what you've seen uh, in his two years in Knoxville. He jumped 27 spots from last year's uh, ranking of number uh, 37. Uh, what, what did you see out of Hypo that made him jump up into the top 10? Yeah, I mean, you know, he he obviously had a uh, a huge year. You know, they beat Alabama. They, they, they got in the national picture. I think part of it is the mess he, he inherited, you know, and then in two years he's done well. And it's not, you know, people thought when Scott Frost left UCF, okay, they're going to take a step back. They really didn't. I mean, they were – not in the national championship hunt, but Heupel did a good job there. That quarterback friendly offense is there to stay. I think they're going to score a ton of points. And um, 
I look, for, I don't look for a ton of change out of Tennessee. So I was comfortable with that. And I actually didn't get nearly as much pushback as I thought I might get from that. So very comfortable with where Josh Heupel was. Yeah. I mean, they're just watching their offense. The X's and O's just, they seem a step ahead of the defenses that they're, that they're playing right now. Um, and it'll be interesting to see which defense figures it out first. Cause certainly Nick Saban's didn't last year. Um, no doubt about it. So, um, the coach that dropped out of your top 10, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, he's been in College Station for five years, and he's finished unranked three times and under 500 last year. Um, what, where do you land on him? What, what's, what's, what's your evaluation of Fisher right now? He's got that national championship that, that you value, but like it has been underwhelming in College Station. Gradual slide each year because, like, yeah, like I said, I do value – there's what five coaches on the list that have national titles, the top three Mac and Mac was at Texas and Jimbo was at Florida state. So only three have one at their current school. That speaks to you, the, the state of college football when mm-hmm. only so, but yeah, it's been a gradual slide because you, you use that as, well, he did this and it's just each year there's been a little bit, I think he was three to five to seven to nine to 14. And it's just, he's in that James Franklin range right now, right? I mean, James Franklin had a better year than Jimbo Fisher last year, but it could absolutely flip this year. There's no question because it comes down to the one thing that works in Jimbo's favor is they did beat Alabama two years ago. They showed last year, even in a miserable year that they can run for with Alabama in any given year. He just got to deliver this year with the Bobby Petrino hire and everything else at Texas A&M. And he's doing great recruiting wise, you know, I mean, it hasn't translated yet at some point you would think it will. Um, and like I said, that's an important part of the job. So you factor that in a little bit and um, you know, the, 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 the shine of that national championship is fading. It's because it gets further and further away, of course. But uh, yeah, I can see him definitely still in the, uh, in the top, the top 15, um, but he's in danger of, you know, if he goes under 500 again, I expect a significant drop uh, next year. I don't think it'll happen, though. I think they'll be okay this year. Um, you looked, you had a stat, Big Ten SEC. How many are in the top 25? Um, hold on one second. Did you tell me that? Or I think it was. More than half? I'm doing it now. Uh, 12, and then. Chip Kelly was 26. And so like my way of saying, if you count Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly, yeah, 14 to 26 starting next year. So, and that's without Venables and Sark in the top 25. So it's just, it, the sport is run by the two conferences. Those coaching in those conferences is harder. It's where you see guys like they may get a one-year bump that's overvalued um, and sometimes undervalued, but that's why, I mean, Mark Stoops is stuck in our top 20 for three years now because he's doing this at Kentucky, and it's hard. Lane Kiffin is a perennial top 25 coach now because he's doing it at Ole Miss. And the, the just you get the raise, but um, you, you also have to deal with that pressure on an every-year basis, and I think those are the conferences where it's most visible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they're going to start pulling away. And look at the contracts. Right, that James Franklin right. got, and uh, at, at at Michigan State, Mel Tucker, you know, huge contract for guys that haven't won a national championship, guys that haven't reached a national championship, um, 
guys haven't reached the CFP even either of those guys. And they got, you know, locked up with big dollars. So they're going to be able to hire whoever they want, hold on to whoever they want to. And, uh, that those two conferences are just going to continue to sort of build their war chest, dip in, and then start to dominate on the field. Uh, even though, I mean, they pretty much already are. Um, so what was some of the feedback you got? Uh, so Oregon State's Jonathan Smith at 40. You and I talked about him a little bit too low. He's done a lot with a little so far. His one-loss record isn't great, and the Pac-12 is really good right now. So he's not going to have the Beavers up in the top two or three in the conference. But I still think people are appreciating what he's done and where it came from. Yeah, two coaches you mentioned, so P.J. Fleck and, and Jonathan Smith. So people would ask me, why is P.J. Fleck in the top 25? Well, he consistently won nine games, you know, and he's doing it there. And they, the one thing they haven't done at Minnesota is get to the Big Ten championship game. But I think overall, Fleck, whether you like him or hate him, he's done a fantastic job. And then Jonathan Smith was one you kind of kick. Anytime, Bill, you do a list like this, you're going to kick yourself every once in a while. You'd be like, why didn't I do that? Um, but, yeah, he he's an outstanding coach. And I think the next step for Oregon State, again, it's like now you got to get to a Pac-12 championship game. We know you win 10 games. We know you're under, overachieving, but but you definitely have to take that next step. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I looked up some stats at Minnesota. And I, I like to look when I compare coaches to how the previous regime did before the new coach gets there. What you, what are you taking over? You know, what's your standard? And um, the so Flex been at Minnesota for six years. The six years before he got there, they were 40 and 36 overall. And uh, Fleck is 44 and 27. So he's he's improved it a little bit. Right. Um, in Big Ten play, he's 26 and 26. And the previous six years, they were 20 and 29. The numbers don't quite match up because of the COVID year. Right. But um, so he's a little better. I think he's a little overrated myself. Um, Their COVID year was brutal, though. Like it was a throwaway year. They they lost the opener against Michigan. They didn't play like the entire. I remember they were one of the teams that had like fifty guys out at one point. So um, yeah, they went three and four. That was just like a you know throw yeah. throw that one out the window. Yep. Um, but actually, three and four, and it was all Big Ten games. Is actually pretty consistent with the rest of his his time at Minnesota. Took over right. a team that was nine and four 
Uh, and Jerry Kill took over a team that was like three and nine or something like that. So right. um, I don't know. I think he's he's maintained, maybe done a little better at Minnesota. Um, he's got, you know, very outspoken. He's got all kinds of personality and everything like that. Did well before he got there in the Mac. So um, I don't know. I think he's a little higher on this list. And that's a guy I didn't realize that you got some pushback for him. Not real. I mean, a little. Like every once in a while, they'll ask why he's in the top twenty-five, yeah. and um, I can defend it though. He's no different than Dave Doran or really Lane Kiffin. He's probably the Big Ten version of Lane Kiffin. Not everybody likes him, but he did just fine. <laughs> um, Kiffin, man, what a career path for him, though, huh? I mean, five years ago, you wouldn't have had him in the t- uh, uh, pegged for right. the top twenty-five years. Five years later, right? Absolutely. But he keeps, you know, he keeps doing it in reverse order with his career. And, you know, like I said, perennial top 25 coach now. Uh, what is your evaluation for Marcus Freeman? Um, we got some loyal Notre Dame listeners on here. I'm looking at your spreadsheet right now. Freeman was, what was he last year? He was 35. Now he's 30. So he went up five spots after going nine and five um some parts of the season were disappointing some parts of the season were not how would you evaluate where he is on this list he's he's right behind Gus Malzahn and he's ahead of Dave Clawson yeah Freeman another tough one because there was a lot of good in year one you get nine wins you have the bull victory you create momentum you've done a good job recruiting I think I talked to Brian Driscoll last week on their podcast, justifiable to keep him outside of the top 25 for now because they did lose to Stanford and they did lose to Marshall. And those aren't games that maybe in year one you can sort of, but if they lose to Stanford again this year, there will be problems. Um, And there's plenty of chances for Notre Dame to get back on the big stage this year. I, you know, again, talking with Driscoll last week, it's to me, it's Ohio state, USC, Clemson. How do you do in those three games? Do you? They went one and two last year. They did get the one against Clemson, a very um, convincing one. But, I mean, the Ohio State game circled because that's the other one. We talked earlier in the podcast about Texas and Alabama and what a seismic event that would be. I think the other chance for a seismic kind of victory would be Notre Dame beating Ohio State in South Bend on September 24th. So, um, But I think Freeman's ranking is fair. And we're looking at that, and and the longer he stays there, he'll probably be like Brian Kelly a little bit where he continues to work. I could see him gradually working his way up the rankings. Yeah, I mean, a lot of drama, a lot of chaos in the program. With uh, Well, first he had to play the whole season with a backup quarterback, basically, uh, which is not ideal in year one. Then uh, uh, loses his offensive coordinator, uh, who was kind of – thrust upon him upon his hiring the offensive coordinator was almost hired before he was um so that was a little odd now we feel like he's got his own offensive coordinator in there um so we'll see how that plays out they've got a you know star transfer quarterback coming in so the quarterback position should be a major upgrade from last year with Drew Pine with Sam Hartman so yeah we will see we will see how it goes. I think um, there's justifiable optimism in South Bend right now. Looking at your list, guys who were not ranked for one reason or another last year and now are in the top two uh, on your list are Matt Rule at 46 for Nebraska and Kenny Dillingham 
54 at Arizona State. Your thoughts on those two guys? I mean, they, they're fine. They're fine where they're at. I think, uh, you know, it, it's one of those deals where Matt Rule is, we've seen his track record. I have to, I'll have to go back and look and see where I had him when he was at Baylor and where I had him when he was at Temple. But I know his track record as a, a guy that was able to make over both of those programs is pretty, speaks for itself. And uh, Dillingham's one that, again, maybe uh, there was a couple Arizona fans taking shots that he's too close to Jed Fish. And Jed Fish uh, did a good job with Arizona last year and getting them close to a bull game. But sometimes I do that where I really believe Kenny Dillingham. I look at his work with Bo Nix. I look at how young he is. I think he's going to do a great job at Arizona State. The fact that they've got two or three quarterbacks there that have figured it out, they're going to be pretty good. And the third not-ranked coach is Deion Sanders, I just noticed. And uh, we've certainly spent a lot of time on him. What were your thoughts on him? And then um, did you see Dennis Dodd's story today that Colorado has had face-to-face discussions with the Big 12? And uh, that might be moving quicker than people realize. That's common. That's common. I mean, if not today, they're going to need more light. And, you know, Colorado is probably – it's going to be one of those links that definitely sets up the the maybe what the fat future of the Pac-12 is. So definitely one that I'll be keep. I have to read that. I haven't read it coming on yet, but I mean none of that's surprising that that Colorado's looking for a little more light with Dion. And you know honestly, if they get that, he'd be more likely to stay around. But I think our ranking on him is fair. Um, you were honestly one. I think you said move him up a little bit, and we'll see how he does. Yeah, I mean, like I said, recruiting's part of the deal. I mean, right now it's, you know, transfer portal is, you know, <laughs> intertwined with recruiting, and uh, he certainly hit that hard. We'll find out if uh, there were enough players available. He got some skill position talent. We'll see the Colorado's questions are definitely on the offensive line, the defensive line, and uh, we'll see how it goes there. So um, trivia answer. Hope you haven't looked. I've got your spreadsheet open. I hope you don't. Who are the three youngest coaches in your top 25? Lincoln Riley's one. Norvell's the other one. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the third one. It's Lincoln Riley is 39 years old. Lincoln Riley and Lanning are on there. And the third one's either Norvell or Day. And I can't decide. So I'll just say Norvell. Well done. Dan Lanning, uh, number 25, is 37 years old. He's the youngest coach. In your top 25, at number seven, Lincoln Riley is 39 years old uh, at USC. And then at number 24, Florida State, Mike Norvell at age 41. So not bad. Not bad. Well, I have that. That's not a cheat, but I have the spreadsheet when I'm doing that. I keep track of their ages, too. So I probably just had that in there. I know there's a lot of 40-somethings in there. So easy. And I like, honestly... If they're younger than I'm 43, so I know which ones are younger than me. <laughs> That's the easiest like, way to cheat. What am I doing with my life if they're already head coach? Right, exactly. <laughs> they, this guy's younger than me, and he's doing this. What am I doing with my life? Exactly. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, that's a good list. Sportingnews.com. If you want to see how how right Bill Bender is in ranking all of his uh, all of his FBS coaches, uh, we appreciate you listening this week. Uh, Thanks to everyone and enjoy the rest of your day and we will see you next week.